your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, puts it in the belly of Wandale around the left side. He's got a first down, 35 30. Wandale 25 20, 15 10 5. He is in. Touchdown, Nebraska. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are, draft night for the National Football League. Some folks, one of the most exciting nights of the sporting year. I'm not really in that category. I'm excited to watch it, but it's not one of the bigger nights of the year for me. It is for some folks. Draft parties usually taking place. Where do you fall in the excitement meter for this? I love it. I love following it. The The only issue is normally we're at a ballpark somewhere, so it's really difficult to follow along after the first night because we're calling baseball, so we're having to follow the draft ticker like on a like on a game cast type scenario, we can't watch a ton of coverage, which which kind of stinks. But it makes nights like tonight really interesting. Um, you know, the last few night, the last few years, we haven't been too excited as Chiefs fans because we haven't had first round picks. But even without the first round selections, it's really interesting to me to see specifically the first ten picks and the instant panic for the two or three guys that were projected in the top seven that all of a sudden are just start slipping like a Bo Callahan. Uh, you know, you, you see <laughs> people slipping and everything just kind of everyone's kind of on freak out mode. And, um, you know, I love it. It's fun to watch. And these are guys that we've watched a ton of in college. And, you know, the guys that go here tonight on the first round, you'd like to think a good chunk of them are going to be 10, 11, 12 year pros in the NFL, uh, starting with the respective teams that pick them. So it's fun. It's fun to see how this all shakes out. And, and tonight, having a pick at 32, even though I'm not sure Kansas City's going to end up with that pick at 32, I think they might trade it, um, just to watch where these guys go. And this draft class is so interesting because quarterback is a huge topic of conversation. It's a loaded corner class, and it's the deepest wide receiver class that I can ever remember. So all of those things are going to make for a lot of fireworks. Offensive linemen are going to be, be hot in the first round, too, so... There's going to be some sexy picks, and there's also going to be some picks that are just like, okay, the boring old left tackle that's going to get me eight years and three all pros are going to be selected tonight too. So I can't wait, especially considering the times, the circumstances that we've been in the last few weeks, to have something that matters, that counts, that's real. Uh, granted, it's all going to be done virtually. I'm all about it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's too bad for the young men who are going to be would normally be in the green room that they don't get the opportunity to have the cameras follow them out, put the ball cap on to the adoration of the fans that are there. That, that's, that's a shame. They miss their moment in the sun. They miss the red carpet. They miss their moment in the sun. I feel bad because they, they you don't get that opportunity back. You get drafted one time. So they, they lose that opportunity to do that. So I, I feel bad for those young guys. I, I don't care that there aren't going to be fans a part of this one. That, that, that's, to me, irrelevant. Um, You're not going to miss people boo Roger Goodell when he walks up (laughs) or wherever he's at? Not really. And and I know if you're like in Kansas City or Minneapolis or Denver, those organizations throw big parties. They have a lot of their season ticket holders come, and it's just too bad they can't celebrate that. But for those of us who do what you you just described, sit back and just kind of follow it either online or whatever snippets you can catch on TV – this is no different for us. This is what this is what we kind of are used to year in and year out doing this. Yeah, it's unfortunate for those athletes that are going to have those moments taken away from them. I feel bad for them until that contract's put in front of them, and then, yeah. and then my uh, my feelings of of sorriness will will evaporate because they'll sign more money that they'll make in, than I'll make in my whole lifetime by putting their name on a piece of paper. But I agree with you that having that moment taken away is going to be too bad. Uh, think about all the GMs and the owners that are going to be wearing sweatpants and basketball shorts tonight <laughs> and, and, and drafting the future of their franchise from their living room or their basement. How awesome of an idea is that? It's the most comfortable they'll ever be on a draft night. They may they may harken back years from now and go, boy, I kind of missed that. That was kind of fun to be able to do that. For the fo- for the for Around here, a lot, we have a, a lot of Chiefs fans, obviously, around here. We have a lot of Bears fans, uh, Vikings fans, Bronco fans. So for those four franchises, it's going to be a late night. If the Chiefs pick and you think they're going to trade down, not up, but down, you think they're going to get out of first round and get maybe another pick later. If they pick, they're the last pick of the night. So that could be 1030, 
quarter of 11 tonight. The Bears don't have a first-round pick right now. Now, That doesn't mean they can't make a move and get in there at some point in time. But as of now, they have nothing. The Broncos are at 15. That's going to be, you know, just inside the the midway point of the night. And the Vikings are at 22. They have two. They have two first-round picks. Vikings do. They do. They traded Stephon Diggs. So where's their other one at? It's 2015, right? I'm with a Vikings fan right now. 22 and what? 22 and 25. 25. So, yeah, 22 is their first one. That's what I thought. 22 is their first one. So so for the people around here who follow those four franchises, and that's a good chunk of what would be around here, it's going to be a late night. And in the Bears' case, unless they trade into the first round, you're waiting until tomorrow to hear something for them. And for the Huskers that are going to be a part of this thing, there's no way anybody goes tonight. I mean, we're not hearing Lamar Jackson's name called tonight or Khalil Davis. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. More than likely, probably Saturday. Love for one of the guys to hear their name sometime tomorrow night, though. Yeah, it's it will. But I think that it can allow them maybe to ease into it a little bit, too. There, I mean, I'll never have the, the image of Geno Smith looking like he wants to rip tablecloths off of tables in that green room, <laughs> just waiting for his name to get picked. Imagine being that, you know, a borderline first-round pick and just anxiously waiting by your phone all night to see if you're going on the biggest stage. I think there, that's so much pressure. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a third-round guy or later, you know, there's really not a ton of pressure. I know everybody wants to be picked and thinks they're going to be picked. Uh, I, I, I definitely think that uh, it's going to be – a less stressful situation for those guys that are projected later on. And here's the thing, Greg, once it starts to get to be about the fifth or the sixth round, if Darian hasn't heard his name, if Khalil hasn't heard his name, if Mo Berry hasn't heard his name, those guys' phones are already blowing up from NFL franchises saying, we right. can't spend a pick on you, but we want to sign you as soon as this thing's over. Because right. that's that's there are so many good college football players that don't get drafted and, and then all of the momentum switches to the college athlete because then they get to pick where they want to go. Sometimes that's a better situation than being picked in the seventh round by a team that you don't fit, whereas if you're not drafted, you get six or seven invites to camp or con, you know, free agent deals, you get to pick the best situation for you. Maybe instead of being drafted in the seventh round by a, a team that you have nine guys in the defensive tackle room, well, well, if you get an offer from a different team that only has two, you're going to take that deal because that's a clear path for you to have a job. So it's a stressful situation, no doubt. But once once they start to get to the tail end of the draft, even even you might not be able to get drafted, but you're going to be in a situation where you can make the best call uh, for yourself and your agent can put you in the best situation to have a job when it's all said and done. Look at last year. Luke Gifford didn't get drafted but found the right spot with the Cowboys. Stanley Morgan didn't get drafted. We were still I'm still ticked about that. But he he latches on with the Bengals and even got some some playing time with Cincinnati last year. So you're right. Even if guys don't get picked, their phone is going to ring before the weekend is over to get them locked in for something uh, later uh, for a OTA, a rookie camp, something like that. They'll at least get a chance to do that. Um, later on in the spring once we get back to being able to be around people once again. Um, also, coming up later in the arc, Parker Gabriel is going to join us from the Lincoln Journal-Star. We'll get his thoughts about where the Huskers may fall, what he thinks about that. We'll also hear from John Baylor later on in the hour as well. Tomorrow night at this time, we're going to switch it up a little bit for our greatest games. We're going to have a volleyball match tomorrow night. The volleyball team was supposed to play an exhibition Saturday in Grand Island. Obviously, that's been canceled a month or so ago. But we thought because we were going to be talking some volleyball this week, we might as well play a match. We're going to play one of the best ones of all time, the 2017 national semifinal matchup with Nebraska and Penn State that took place down in Kansas City. We'll get JB to reminisce with a little little bit about that matchup coming on uh, later in the hour. Austin gave you some of the SNBL. Scores from earlier today. The Outlaws were just way too tough for my expansion team. The Hickman Harriers are now fading back into the sunset as Ben has grabbed control now of the NL West. I think you're you're two games back um, from first place. Jose Abreu chucked one to the backstop uh, for two big insurance runs today. But uh, Josh and I went ahead and scheduled next week's games already. And and there's a rematch in the cards for the Harriers next week. Oh boy! With, with another crack at the Outlaws, so so get excited for that. 
Uh, we needed a day like today where we had some close games because yesterday was just a bludgeoning. It made it hard to sit there and, and keep people entertained when scores were 14-3 to and 10 to nothing, and there were no hitters going into the seventh inning. But, yeah, big win today for the Outlaws. They're feeling great, and they had a dude that uh, I had never heard of who was just uh, a liability at the plate through his first three ABs, hit a big three-run shot in the seventh inning, which, which made me quite happy. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I'm not sure if my pitchers I drafted are even on the roster. I never get to see them play, uh, but we had some fun with that earlier today. And again, if you'd like to just jump in and be a part of the chat sessions for those Monday through Friday, beginning at 11 a.m. and that goes about two hours. We work in three games and we have some fun poking fun at everybody. You and I, and you, you are have solid control right now of our division. But even you would be getting lapped right now by the rowboats and the Lions, who are absolutely destroying the competition. Austin and Nate's teams are just piling up the wins. That whole Nate? division is on a just massive hot streak right now. We checked that out after today's games, and I think the worst team in the division is six and four in their last ten. I'm nine and one. Nate's eight and two, up there at fifteen and three, sixteen and four. So yeah, things are things are nice in the AL West. Nate's team is averaging like nine runs a game. And I just don't understand it. I, I don't get it. I guess it's the classy uniforms. It might be home cooking on the ballpark. I mean, I don't know what he's doing. And maybe it's those late practices that he's holding after games. But <laughs> That could clearly, wear a team out, though, later on in the year. It could. We'll see. As long as their bus doesn't break apart. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's been fun. Again, 11 o'clock, Monday through Friday. If you want to jump into the chat room, have a good time with us as we uh, – as we uh, get into the Sports Nightly Baseball League, brought to you by our good friends at Dorothy Lynch Home Style Dressing. And delighted to welcome on board the program, Parker Gabriel of the Lincoln Journal Star. Good evening, Parker. How excited are you to, for an, uh, a draft? Are you a big NFL draft guy, or is it just eh, another thing to watch and cover? Yeah, no, I, I am. I like it. It's interesting. It's one of the few um, cross-sections of work and then just general entertainment for me right like almost everything college football related uh is work in some way but then uh you know i'm just a nfl fan like a lot of people so um it is an interesting uh crossover between those two but i, I like the draft i like watching it um and i think well, we got a chance at a really uh, entertaining first round potentially tonight if memory serves you're a packers guy right is that your team that's right they got a late night for them. Well, they pick thirtieth. Yeah, the you know this is uh, any anybody who follows a team who is typically not always, but typically uh, picks near the end of the the first round knows how it goes. You wait for three hours, and then invariably uh, your team trades out of the first round altogether, <laughs> and you wait until the next day for a pick. So, I, uh, who even knows if they'll make one tonight? It'll be interesting tonight from a Nebraska standpoint to watch this first round. We're going to see a handful of guys that Nebraska has played during their career. You've got the Ohio State guys, of course, and then Wirfs from Iowa is going to be one of the top ten picks in the draft. So there's going to be a, a fairly good flavor of Big Ten people, I would think, taken tonight, don't you? Yeah, definitely. And then some guys who, uh, you know, potentially some other guys either from, you know, from within the division, a guy like uh, Antoine Winfield from from Minnesota maybe could sneak in, um, Zach Bond or Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, um, you know, and then a bunch of guys, you know, we'll see about tonight. But, um, you know, Michigan's got a couple of guys who Nebraska has seen not quite as recently. But, um, yeah, it just goes to show you the, the talent level that uh, consistently gets churned out of the Big Ten. Now, last year was the first year in decades that Nebraska did not get a guy drafted. I still a little stuck in my crawl that Stanley didn't get picked a year ago. What's your sense for this year? Is it a couple? Is it one? What do you think ends up happening after this three-day affair gets over? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think I think uh, Lamar Jackson is is a pretty safe bet. Um, we'll see. I, you know, I've seen he, there's some people who think that he's a top 100 type of guy, which would put him uh, in the range to maybe be picked before Friday night's over. Uh, you know, second second to third round. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Saturday before he hears his name called, but he's going to be the. You know, he's going to be the highest draft pick um, maybe since at least uh, Nate, Jerry and, Nate Gary and, and maybe going back further than that. So, um, you know, we'll see where he lands. And then I think um, I think Khalil Davis will get drafted. It'll be interesting. 
I'm sort of I'm sort of curious to see. You know, it's like everything with with Carlos and Khalil. Um, you just wonder about the difference uh, there. Obviously, teams grade players in different ways, so that has something to do with it. But um, it would obviously be cool for them if both of them uh, heard their names called. And, and Darian Daniels, I think, will be in that conversation too. At least these guys, well, for several of them, you mentioned a couple that got to go to the Combine in Indianapolis, so they had the proper spotlight put on them. But Nebraska, just by what a day, was able to slide their pro day in yeah. before all this got shut down. That's got to be a little bit of an advantage for some of these guys, I would think. I think it does. You know, I think it is, especially for, um, you know, take a guy like uh, Mohamed Barry or Alex Davis or someone like that. If you didn't get invited to the Combine, um, kind of I know, you know, these guys uh, – maybe, um, you know, maybe one of them is drafted really late. Most likely it feels like they're probably free agents and tryout type guys. And so just to have a 40 time and a, you know, and a height weight and a shuttle um, and, you know, for scouts to go over your tape or to say, Hey, you know, there's a lot of unknowns out there, but I know, um, you know, Mohamed Barry ran this in the 40 or kind of I know ran in the low four fives and sort of surprised me that, that that could be, you know, that could be the difference between a mini camp tryout and not. And so um, it was obviously, it was, it was crazy that the big 10 canceled uh, the rest of the, the sports season for the spring while we were over there interviewing players. And so um, like I asked Mohamed Barry about that, you know, literally basically as it happened. And so that was sort of a, it was sort of an odd day over there, but definitely fortunate for those guys that they were able to get an official, you know, pro day in uh, for, I think, something like 28 or 30 scouts um, at, over at the indoor practice center. Parker Gabriel's with us from the Lincoln Journal Star, the NFL draft tonight. The Huskers will not hear names tonight, but, but perhaps tomorrow and then hopefully on Saturday, a guy or two gets picked. Let's go bring it to the current team a little bit. Parker, how much contact do you think the coaching staff is having? I know that the NCAA is starting to, to put some dates on times and, and allow a little bit more conferencing going on between coaches and players right now. How active do you think Nebraska's coaches are in, in staying in touch with their players? Yeah, as active as they can be. Um, like you said, they're they're relaxing the rules a little bit on the amount of digital um, contact they can have, Zoom meetings and things like that. So, um, you know, those guys are meeting on a somewhat regular basis um, virtually. I think a good number of them um, are back on campus. Obviously, campus is basically closed, and so um, there's not a lot going on on campus itself. But a lot of those guys are – you know, back around Lincoln, and I'm sure, um, you know, champing at the bit to to get back to it here at some point, hopefully before too, too long. It's certainly an interesting time, and, you know, Nebraska got the two practices in. I know if the season unfolds and Purdue is indeed the opener, they got, what, six or seven of theirs in, maybe a slight advantage for the Boilermakers, who also have picked up a graduate transfer quarterback here in the last couple of days. Um it puts Nebraska behind the eight ball, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know how else you explain it. You don't get to a bowl game, so you don't get those practices, and you only got two of your spring ones in. Yeah, I mean, it really, you know, I think I think around here it's been, you know, the three straight years of, of, of missing the bowl. I, I know that that, you know, is disappointing for, for fans, even if, you know, the – pinstripe bowl isn't of the utmost interest or something like that. Right. I mean, the thing is that's over, over three years or just since Scott Frost became the head coach, let's say that's 30, you know, 30 practices in December um, that haven't taken place because you don't qualify for a bowl game. And then obviously something completely outside your, you know, your power here with spring ball um, getting canceled after just two practices. So you know, it does. Um, I think every team's got their own situation, right? I mean, offensively, um, you could do a lot worse than having uh, five returning starters on the offensive line and a, and a guy who started two years at quarterback and a bunch of other guys that have played that position um, as a starting point in an off season of turmoil. You know, there's Purdue got more uh, spring ball in. They, they also have a grad transfer at quarterback. You don't quite know how that's going to work. There's a lot of schools around the country that'll be breaking in new quarterbacks. And to me that, you know, that's no, it's no guarantee that Adrian Martinez is going to start every game for Nebraska or anything like that. But uh, it just, to me that 
that and the offensive line from an offensive perspective, that puts that at least is a silver lining in all of it, that, that Nebraska's got some experience uh, under center and up front to, to sort of start off with. That's a great point. Imagine if you were in a program where you weren't sure what your quarterback position is going to be and you didn't get a spring ball. I mean, I, Iowa comes to mind. They, they, they've got to replace a right. starting quarterback. Northwestern's not quite sure what they're doing. Purdue's in the same boat, as you mentioned. That would really make me nervous is if I was a coach. If I didn't get that spring, that does help Nebraska. It's a really good point there. All right, are, um, you just going to kind of monitor this the next couple of days and keep us up on the Huskers? What's the plan for you in the next 72 hours? Yeah, that's I'm, uh, I'm, I'm actually uh, – I'm I'm off for the week, so I'm oh. I'm watching. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna enjoy uh, Sipple's coverage of the draft as it pertains to the uh, the Journal Star and the Nebraska guys, and I'm just uh, I'm just I'm just following along as your your regular Joe, your regular football fan. Well, enjoy that. Have a cold one while you watch the action here tonight. Thanks, Parker. We appreciate it as always. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal star, joining us on our Sports Alley Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. When we come back, John Bader, the voice of Husker Volleyball, will join us. We'll talk about tomorrow night's greatest game that we're going to air here on Sports Alley. It's the 2017 National Semifinal Matchup between Nebraska and Penn State. Tomorrow night, what a treat we have for you. Our greatest games tomorrow night, we're switching to volleyball. We're going to have one of the greatest matches a lot of people who cover Husker volleyball think they ever saw, and that was the national semifinal matchup in 2017 down in Kansas City, a Big Ten matchup between Nebraska and Penn State, and we are thrilled to have with us tonight John Bader, who was on the call of that. Good evening, JB. Hope you're doing okay. Thanks for joining us. Greg, great to be with you on NFL Draft Night. What do you think? Joe Burrow goes number one. No doubt. No doubt. Lock it in. He is a uh, guy with Husker ties, obviously, with his dad, and that's going to be fun to follow that. But tomorrow we're going to be hearing you and, and Lauren call that match in Kansas City. Um, I saw one, I think it was Jeff Sheldon, who used to write for the Omaha World-Herald, says that's one of the top three matches he ever covered. Is it in that, is that, is that yeah. stratosphere in your mind? Yeah, I don't like to disagree with Jeff Sheldon. That guy is a volleyball savant. I would throw it in there with the 2008 regional final comeback at Washington and also the 1996 regional final at the Coliseum against Penn State, 20 to 18 Huskers in the fifth. So I think those are my top three, but you got the you got the 98 regional final at the Devaney, hold everything, at the Coliseum against Wisconsin, John Cook's final match as a head coach of Wisconsin. You got the 2001 regional final against Florida at the Coliseum. So there are a lot that are in the ballpark, but I'd say 96 regional final Penn State and 2008 at Washington, but maybe 2017 because it was the only one that was a national semi. It was the only final four match that's in that triumvirate, that's probably the, that's it's 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 tough to pick. It's like choosing among the kids. It was a loaded Penn State team, and yet the scrappy Huskers would not go away that night. Take take me down memory lane. What what, what and I know there was a collision late that helped Nebraska. Oh what God. what made the night so special in your eyes? <laughs> Oh, goodness. Uh, so much. Uh, well, first of all, it's Penn State, Nebraska. National semifinal. Russ Rose uh, thinks, and I think uh, arguably correctly, he's got the most talented team in the country in 2017. Ali Franti is a senior. Simone Lee is a senior. One of the greatest middles ever to play the sport. Haley Washington is a senior. This is the group that as freshmen won the national championship and everyone called them the greatest freshman class of all time. So as freshmen, they won the title, came up short sophomore and junior years, and here they are, senior year in Kansas City against Nebraska. And it's uh, two sets to one. Penn State Penn State has a match point chance late in the fourth, and Nebraska serves, so they're on serve-receive. All they got to do is side out, and boom, match is over, and it's a good pass, Greg. Like, it's a good pass. Like, they're all set up, and you got Simone Lee on the outside. I mean, it's everything's going Penn State's way, and for the only time in my life, what I witness is the middle or the right side hitter, I believe, is moving to the right as the setter's moving to her left to – 
to accept the pass and set the ball, and they're looking at the ball, not looking to each other, and they trip over each other. They fall to the floor. The ball falls to the floor. Point Nebraska. We're all tied up. And literally two minutes later, Nebraska wins the fourth set. We're going to the fifth. Incredible. And you just gave me chills re-describing that because I can <laughs> picture it in my mind what was going on. Now, it's this Final Four not in Omaha but Kansas City, and yet Husker oh. Nation all over that place oh. and all over that arena. Yep. That was Lincoln South. I remember uh, Russ Rose was so ticked off in 96, the match I just referenced, that Nebraska kept getting a chance to host because it's such an advantage. And he was in it for decades. He's been ticked off about that. And here they go again. It's not technically in the state. It's not in Omaha, but it might as well have been because you had 17,000 fans. I don't think I heard Penn state fans the whole night. I mean, there were just the families of the players. I mean, there might've been a hundred, eh, I'd say 250 Penn state fans, 17,000 Husker fans, but there's so many subplots that night, Greg, for example, Haley Washington, one of the great middles of all time. Well, what you typically do when you have a great middle is you run a one-setter offense so that for two rotations, hopefully three, there's no right side hitter, and she can run a slide. And for some reason, Russ Rose, and he's got seven national titles, so he knows what he's talking about. But in that year, he ran a two-setter offense, which meant there was always a right side hitter, which meant Haley Washington was basically not going to run slides unless they were going to do a crisscross, which, you know, it does, happens maybe once every uh, couple times a match. So Haley Washington didn't get the ball nearly as often that entire year, including that night. I was just looking at the stats. She only had uh, 33 swings, which is a fair amount, but only 13 kills. She was not a huge factor. If they had played just one setter rather than two, I mean, they could have just announced through the net, okay, try to stop Haley Washington. We're going to give her the ball every time. It would have been so tough to stop her. The other thing to think about is on the other side of that national semi that night in Kansas City was Florida against Stanford. Now, because the Penn State-Nebraska match was filled with so much drama, there wasn't much attention given to the Florida-Stanford match. Well, that was the greatest upset in NCAA tournament history, Florida beating Stanford. This is the Stanford group that won three national championships, and it would have been four in a row except for this remarkable upset by a Florida team that two nights later was totally overmatched by the Huskers. So, you know, what also happened on that night was, was very noteworthy. Now, Florida's the only team to have beaten that group of Stanford players in four years in the NCAA tournament. Of course, Nebraska almost did it the next year in 2018. It was 9-9 in the fifth, but so many subplots that night. It all adds up to possibly the greatest Nebraska volleyball match ever. It, it just every time Penn State and Nebraska get together, it's almost an instant classic. Am I wrong, or is yep. that the way you feel about uh, it? Oh, it's an it's an instant classic. I mean, you're never yawning at a Nebraska Penn State match. I mean, 2016, you got a regional semi. Penn State somehow is the number 16 seed. You got to be kidding me! And they're playing an 11 a.m. match on a Friday at the Devaney. Huskers 2016, they're trying to repeat as national champions, absolutely loaded. And the Huskers suddenly are down two sets, love. And Penn State's got two match points in the third. Simone Lee takes a swing, and Amber Rolson blocks her. Tie game, Huskers win in the third, and then take over in the sets four and five. That's just, I mean, there's so many great matches. The other subplot, back to the match we're talking about, and it's going to play tomorrow night in 2017, is that was one of Kelly Hunter's wins against Penn State, and almost all of them are close. Guess what her record was as the starting setter of Nebraska against Penn State? Seven. Five hundred. Oh my goodness! Is that right? Kelly Hunter oh. was seven and zero oh against Penn State. I mean, the, the happiest person on Kelly Hunter's uh, graduation day was Russ Rose. I, I think he <laughs> attended the graduation party. And there are so many classics in those seven matches. Well, that's amazing to, to be that good against a, a, a comparable program, obviously. I mean, those are two of the giants in the sport. We're going to hear it tomorrow night. I hope you have a chance to listen into it and reflect back. I know a lot of volleyball fans are going to love it. We did this, Jamie, because we thought that this was going to be a week that the Huskers were going to be on the court out in Grand Island, but that certainly got yeah. uh, turned aside a month ago. Well, our hearts are with everyone in Grand Island tonight. Take care out there. And we're so sorry we can't be there on Saturday night. But uh, our prayers are with you. And and, uh, that city needs all our attention and and 
huge thank you to all the medical professionals out in, in the Tri-Cities, especially Grand Island. Very well said. JB, thank you so much for going down memory row. We're going to love listening in tomorrow night and hearing and just uh, reflecting back on that beautiful match in 2017. Thank you, Greg. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Who we know is much more popular in Chicago than Jerry Krause. <laughs> is that fair to say? Extremely fair to say. Um, <laughs> that would uh, describe 99.99% uh, .99 of the population. It's tough, man. Krause is in some ways the hero of you know the six-peat. He is the one who put the roster together. He's the one who drafted Horace Grant, who engineered the, the, the draft day trade for Scottie Pippen, traded for Johnny Jumpshot, John Paxson. But man, because of his personality and because of his eagerness to break up the dynasty, nine out of 10 people in the city view him as a villain. No doubt watching those first two episodes that he was, he's that and America now feels that vein toward him. How was he to deal with from the media standpoint? <laughs> well, I'm not sure if you uh, if you saw the last item I had uh, the other day. So the Tribune is having us. We're really milking this for all it's worth. The last <laughs> dance. So they're they're having us write a bunch of features uh, related. So I filed one the other day on Doug Collins. I was able to talk to Jeffrey Jordan today. So I'll do a Q and A with him. The first one I did was basically five things to know about Jerry Krause. And my number fifth was an anecdote from when I was, I think, 23 years old and covering Bulls practice one day. And Phil Jackson comes out and says, you know, this isn't working out. I I'm maybe going to take a sabbatical. He's going to be listening to an offer from the Orlando Magic. This is uh, in, their in their fifth championship season. So this is before the last dance. So Phil says all this stuff. It's not, you know, terribly new, but but I think it, it sheds more light on how bad the relationship is with Kraus. So I get home and I call Jerry Kraus and I say, hey, I have nothing to lose. Maybe he'll call me back, calls me back, gives me a bunch of good quotes and says uh, he wants credit because he hired Phil Jackson when he was out out of a job and out in the street. OK, pretty good quote. Mm -hmm. About 10 minutes later, I get a call. Uh, hi, uh, Jerry Kraus. Uh, please hold for Jerry Kraus. I was like, that's weird. I didn't call him. And Jerry comes on and he's kind of groveling and he's very chummy. And he said, Teddy, you know, would you do me a favor instead of saying out on the street, just say he was out of coaching. Well, as you know, in the whole in journalism circles, I mean, we're not in the business of changing quotes. Once it's said, as long as it's not off the record, it is said. But I decided I would do him a solid. And I said, Jerry, all right, I will change the quote from you. But uh, you need to give me your cell phone number. <laughs> so. He gave me a cell. I don't know that I ever used it because I was mainly only writing sidebars, not trying, not trying to break any heavy news on the team. But that was our little negotiation. And, you know, he was gruff. He was insecure. I guess the people who know him really well saw that he had uh, a real soft spot, though, like my friend Casey Johnson. Casey Johnson liked him enough that uh, Casey's sons went fishing with Jerry Krause and considered him almost a grandpa. So like most people in the world, uh, not all good, not all bad. What did you make of episodes one and two? Were you entertained by them? Yeah, I thought they were absolutely terrific and fascinating and to the point where I want to watch them multiple times. Uh, my kids went to bed before number two, so we've had it on in the house a lot. Uh, some really good insight. Um, you know, various things come up. You know, some just to see the highlights of the plays. I mean, how about that lefty layup that, that Jordan had when he was at North Carolina when he put it like 10 feet high off the glass. I mean, those are incredible moments there. And then, you know, in episode two, I thought I knew Scottie Pippen pretty well. I think we, uh, last week we talked about this Thuzio session I had with him where he said some mm -hmm. interesting stuff. I didn't know he was one of 12. I didn't know that when he arrived at Central Arkansas, he was a team manager. He was six foot one, 150 pounds. And really there was no thought of him playing much college basketball. And uh, I had forgotten about his trade demand. I had also forgotten that Michael Jordan, you know, in his, in his time back after missing 64 games with the broken foot, that they had that restriction on him, seven minutes a half. Um, all of that was fascinating, especially now with the NBA, knowing about load management and how teams 
never want to play injured guys if they're going to hurt their draft stock. But Jordan forced his way back into the lineup. They obviously made the playoffs that year, winning 30 games, and he had uh, a couple outrageous games against the Celtics in Boston Garden. Yeah, it was really good stuff. This Sunday night, the next two episodes are in um, most of America. I'm sure we'll be watching again most of America tonight, watching the draft. Yes. But in Chicago, the Bears don't pick, right? The Bears are off tonight unless they trade up into this thing. Yeah, the Bears have picks 43 and 50. So uh, I think it's extremely unlikely that they would uh, that they would trade up into the first round. They just they just don't have that luxury. I mean, they have so many holes in their roster. I was asked earlier if I think they're going to take a quarterback. And I said, no, you know, this is kind of like now when you go shopping at Costco, get what you need. Get the meat, get the cheese, get whatever frozen foods you need. Don't hang around and see if they have samples. Like the <laughs> Bears don't have the luxury of saying, oh, yeah, let's get a quarterback. Maybe we can develop it. I mean, they still need a starting cornerback. They need a guard to replace Kyle Long. And they really need playmakers. Other than Allen Robinson, there's almost – Nobody who strikes the fear uh, into opposing defensive coordinators. So they have to stick to the basics. If anything, they'll trade down to get more picks. Um, But right now, yeah, 43 and 50, which are obviously in the second round. Be a quiet night in Chicago for that. Teddy, don't you think tonight uh, Urban Meyer has to feel a sense of satisfaction because there's going to be three guys that he recruited that are going to go off the board here in the first hour? Absolutely. And look, Chase Young uh, probably could have been developed at a lot of places to be a top three or top two pick. He's just that physically gifted. Yeah, you know, we, we've seen him now for a couple of years, unblockable in a lot of circumstances, good attitude, great body, uh, a total package as a, you know, as a prospect. I'm sure a lot of years he would go number one. But then you look at a guy like Jeffrey Okuda who, you know, was not that highly regarded. So he's somebody who Urban Meyer and his staff, uh, you know, they were able to find him, develop him. And Ohio State now is is just a full-on cut above everyone else in the Big Ten. And so Ohio State is here. And then in that second group, you've got, what, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, a lot of years. So uh, we've seen this now basically on every single draft night, certainly in the first round, Ohio State dominates and then, you know, the rest of the league, maybe it's Iowa or Michigan or Wisconsin, uh, you know, gets that second rung of picks. Yeah, I know you did a you did you did a piece about the Big Ten's impact on this draft, didn't you? And the Big Ten's going to get their name called quite a bit tonight, thanks to Ohio State, obviously at the top. Yeah, Penn State's going to, you know, they're going to have some representation um, with Iowa. that good defensive end. Exactly, Iowa is certainly going to be there. Um, I'm just looking at it, you know interesting to me will be Jonathan Taylor. Right. I've seen where he is, you know, ranked in the, you know, 20 to 28 in some places and some places it's the middle of the second round. I would think he'd be more of a second round pick and really because of the fumbles, um, you know, NFL teams, you, you just can't have running backs who fumble the ball. Uh, there are just so few possessions in a lot of, you know, in a lot of college games, you can make up for a fumble, especially if it's against an inferior team. But that has to scare those NFL personnel types to death. So as amazing a runner as Jonathan Taylor is, and he's an even better guy, hopefully you got a chance to speak with him, Greg, at Big Ten Media Days. He's incredibly impressive. He's, you know, his hobby is he's like an astrophysicist and all that. You know, that's a position where so many NFL teams have proven at running back that you can take somebody off the scrap heap and you cannot have a guy who costs up the football. Well, congratulations. You, you've you been fighting the battle to get some golf courses open in the That's state of true. Illinois. And it's, I heard today they're, they're going to let that out and let you go play some of those courses now. Yeah, how about that? Um, you know, I was getting some blame when the shutdown occurred because <laughs> I had written a story that uh, 300 players had flocked to this course in the western suburbs. Everybody was giving me a hard time about that. And now uh, a couple of days ago, I wrote a story about how, look, golf is uh, available in Indiana and Iowa, and it's going to be in Wisconsin, and it's in Minnesota, and it's in Missouri. It's everywhere surrounding Illinois. So why can't it be in Illinois? And clearly, you know, people are seeing that, that it's a sport where you can socially distance quite easily. I've played now, I think, three times since COVID hit, and you don't have to touch anybody. All you touch are your tees, your golf balls, and your clubs. And tee times are spaced out every 15 minutes. And the clubhouse is closed, so there's no food service. 
driving ranges. They're very particular. They, they have somebody monitoring the driving ranges to make sure people aren't too close. It's a great exercise. It's good for the economy. And yes, Governor Pritzker's office has uh, decided that golf will be allowed. They have not specified some of the details, like some states are allowing golf carts, some are not. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of fine print here that we still have to figure out. But the good news for people here is we will be playing golf in the state of Illinois in May. So now you don't have to cross state lines to get your game in. Yeah. Now, look, we've discovered a course in Indiana where it's 28 bucks to walk. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of nice. And I actually not that anybody cares, but I've been uh, I've been close to 80 the last the last couple times. So this course uh I got a lot of affection for we call it rooster national because it's it's in such a farm country that you smell manure and you can actually hear roosters on like the fifth or sixth hole. Uh, so I've liked it, but uh, it will be nice to support the local economy and to be playing at uh, you know courses in the state pretty soon. Oh, that's great. Well, Tiger and Phil are going to have a little exhibition yeah. it looks like in a couple of weeks. Does that excite you at all? It does. I mean, you know, anything, any sporting event at this point is exciting. I mean, the NFL draft with Trey Wingo and his uh, bizarre pinstripe suit. We'll, we'll certainly be watching tonight. And uh, this Tiger-Phil battle, I mean, somebody had proposed that, that President Obama and President Trump get involved in the partners, and, and, and that probably would have been a little more interesting than Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, but uh, hopefully it'll be better than the last one. You know, those Phil and, and uh, Tiger were mic'd up, and the whole point is that they're supposed to be talking trash and, and, and gambling and all that kind of stuff, and yeah, I feel like Tiger, you know, barely let anything out. He was so conservative and they were just so buddy buddy and friendly. It was almost nauseating. So they need to uh, they need to get needle each other. They need to get on each other's case. They need to understand we're here to be entertained and uh, hopefully we'll be getting that. All right. That'll be fun. Well, the draft's underway. I'll let you loose. You can go watch that. We appreciate it. We'll catch up with you again next week. Take care, Greg. Great to be with you as always. Time for this week's seven on seven. It's summer. The Huskers are sharpening their skills with seven-on-seven drills. We're keeping Greg and Ben in shape during the off-season with some seven-on-seven of our own. Seven topics. A seven-nation army couldn't hold me back. From sports. From Manning, seven touchdown passes. To pop culture. I never joke about my work, 007. It's time to go seven-on-seven on Sports Nightly. Obviously, none of this COVID stuff is good, but 7-on-7 is one of my favorite parts of summer. I'm glad to have a little bit more of it. My first time since last summer, in fact. It's the right attitude to have right there. It's exactly what uh, Brett Whitty is, his attitude, right? Mm, No, no. Where do you think I learned it? (laughs) Welcome to the show, Josh. Hey, thanks. Good to be here. Yeah, I I actually do love 7-on-7. Austin loves it. You guys love it. So all four of us are on board right now. So let's dive right in. Uh, Topic number one, earlier this week, Rob Gronkowski came out of retirement and joined former Patriots teammate Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. So what other retired athletes do you guys want to see come out of retirement and which ones Hmm. do you think would be most successful? Hmm. Well, you know, I've always thought Calvin Johnson retired way too early. I would love to see Megatron back in a uniform. Um, And every time I see... Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll start with Calvin Johnson, but every time I see, uh, man, why can't I think of his name? Georgia running back, the UFC fighter, Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker. I think, yeah. I think that dude could play a little bit too. <laughs> you know, if we were going all time, people would say Barry Sanders retired yeah. way too yeah. young and should never have gotten out. On the baseball side, a guy who a lot of people, and it was for arm problems, but – People felt like Sandy Koufax's career was not nearly long enough on the baseball side. I'm having a hard time coming up with current athletes, but historically, those are two that pop into my mind that I wish yeah. that their careers could have been longer than they certainly were. Yeah, that's yeah. where we were going to go next. We had that written down, too, of, of past athletes that retired too early that you think would have been should have had a longer career. Yeah, those two are good, though. Barry Sanders, Megatron Barry Sanders for me, is the yeah. first one that came to mind as far as past athletes. Both Detroit Lions. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, how about that? Floyd Mer- Merriweather, is he, is he officially retired from boxing? I think he's coming back. Floyd, Flo- Money Mayweather's <laughs> not done yet. Yeah, no doubt. Correct answer is Andrew Luck, though. We all know that's, that's option hey. 1A. Ah, uh, yeah. That's right. 
All right, so we'll stick with with football here. A couple of Tom Brady stories. I know we're all anti-Tom Brady, but we can have some fun with it. The first story comes earlier this week when Brady was exercising in a park out in Tampa. A warden noticed and asked him to leave. Then a story came out today. It happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but Brady was trying to visit the house of the Bucks offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich, but he accidentally walked into the wrong house. Mm-hmm. What's the coolest place you've been kicked out of or trespassed in without getting caught? And then what's a story you have about accidentally walking into a place you weren't supposed to? Well, I was also in Florida visiting a friend, and I'd never been to his house before, and I thought I had the right address, pulled in. I didn't walk in. I knocked on the door, and they opened the door, and I'm like, yeah, you're not uh, you're not Randy. Randy, I'm like, I got the wrong address here. So I was scrambling <laughs> mode, but I didn't walk right in like Tom Brady apparently did with Byron Leftwich's house. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, for me um, – the, the coolest place, I wouldn't say we broke into it, but when we were in St. Louis at a Cardinals game, we walked. This was before the Rams moved to L.A. And so we walked down to the Dome, and it's connected to a convention center, which we didn't know. And all the doors to the Dome were locked, but the doors of the convention center were unlocked. And we figured if it's unlocked, it's not necessarily closed to the public. So we just found unlocked door after unlocked door, and soon enough we were standing inside near the 50-yard line. So, <laughs> Didn't uh, you do that at Assembly Hall in Bloomington with Hanley? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Might have found ourselves in a sweet Assembly Hall. Uh, forgot about that one, too. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm the one to go to if you're looking to get cop of view in the uh, – and, Greg, you and I at Norman. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Owen Field, we did. Yeah. 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 We got see. lucky that day there was a football game. I guess I'm just all about just We just blended in with the campers. We walked in with the yeah. campers. Yeah. Ben, you were the one that I thought of when, when I wrote that question down of, of place that you trespassed. And I and I'm, I mean, that's maybe a little bit of a strong word, but, you know, it's, it's we, in we, the past we, right now, right? Yeah. And we were in St. Louis walking by worker, walking by people, and they didn't say anything to us, so. If they would have asked us to leave, we would have left. There you go. All right, topic number three. Uh, one last story involving Tom Brady here. And you guys, you, Greg, you talked about this with Teddy last segment, but it was announced earlier this week that uh, Brady and Peyton Manning will join Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson for the match. And back in Thanksgiving 2018, Tiger and Phil faced off for $9 million. But this time it'll be Brady and Mickelson against Tiger and Peyton. At least that's what the rumored matchup is. And they'll be playing for charity this time and the exact date hasn't been announced but it looks like it'll be mid to late may and take place somewhere in florida so which celebrity would you guys want to play around a golf with Ooh, that's, that's a, a good great one. question somebody that's not a golfer but a celebrity kemba there you go he comes <laughs> no. up a lot in seven on seven I feel i'll like. pick Game somebody any. different <laughs> it's always I your go-to wanna, i would want to golf with patrick mahomes why wouldn't why wouldn't uh. you That'd be fun. See that guy hit 600-yard rockets. Patrick over Mahomes the golf or Travis Kelsey? Give me one of those yeah. two, or even Andy Reid for crying out loud. Sure. Does it have to be a, a sports figure? Or can no, no, it just no. It be can like be any a celebrity. It can be anybody. Just that somebody who is famous that people would know, but not a golfer. I would. Uh, I'd love to have it go out. And I know our boy Matt Davison knows him, but Matt Damon I think would be fun to go play around and golf with. That'd be fun. So you're saying that's a possibility then. You could get hooked I mean, up with that if you possibly. pull the right strings. Yeah. Go there meet Teddy go. in Chicago. Yeah, I say, well, why not Teddy Greenstein? <laughs> he's, Good a, point. he's a celebrity. That's true. <laughs> he has his own open. <laughs> that's, that's all it takes to be a celebrity. Lane Grindle has an open. He's a celebrity, obviously. That's what yeah, you know you made it. Yeah. But Ian Rappaport doesn't have his own open. I think I think our, yeah, our uh, criteria that. is a little flawed. <laughs> Just a little. Uh, moving on here. So Duke Blue Devils guard Cassius Stanley declared for the NBA draft a couple weeks ago, but he already has some career plans made for after his playing days. Stanley said his dream after he's done playing is to be the NBA commissioner. It's been a dream of his for several years, apparently. So we ask you guys, which current athlete would make the best commissioner of their sport? Oh, man. Yeah, this one's a thinker. I I had a tough time coming up with an answer myself to this one. I, I think I think a guy like Peyton Manning would be a really good NFL commissioner. Now, I know he's on a current. He's retired sure, for a couple of years, enough. but... That's a guy that I think would be somebody that would really command a lot of attention. He probably wouldn't want the headaches, but I think he'd be pretty good at it. 
thinking of a good stand-up character guy, you know, a guy that has a lot of morals and is always about doing the right thing. So give me Jose Altuve. <laughs> no, um... <laughs> man, I can't, I can't think of one right now. You guys um, have any? My Austin mind went Josh? to Chris Paul for the NBA, Drew Brees for the NFL, and Drew Brees is a really good for one. the MLB. Yeah. Yeah. Drew huh. Brees is a really good one. I'm going to copy obvious. Austin on that. Yeah, I, that that's a good one, Austin. I, it, yeah, it has to be somebody that has a lot of respect and, like you said, Ben, more a moral compass. And yeah, Jose Altuve is perfect. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, <laughs> speaking of. People's Not a high bar, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of people's favorite athletes, uh, Brett's favorite, Cristiano Ronaldo, is rumored to be headed to the MLS when his Juventus stint is over. And this has been rumored for years, but it seems like it might actually come to fruition once his current contract is up with Juventus. So what current or past foreign stars in any sport would you guys like to see uh, play or have played in the American leagues. Oh man, hmm. international star. Soccer's the one that draws them, right? I mean, Pele made the, the jump over here in the seventies, and Beckham came over. It's soccer because it's such an international sport. It kind of leads you to seeing those guys more. There's the no Otani. Is there an Otani-type guy in the Japanese baseball league right now? That I was going to say see? that uh, from the past, there was a guy named Sadaharu O. Uh, he yep. hit 868 yeah. home runs in the Japanese league. He never made his way over to the MLB. So that would that would be a guy from the past that yep. would definitely be on the list. Um, does Usain Bolt count? I mean, I mean, you know, he's just another country, but we've seen him race plenty. But you want that guy at wide receiver for the Chiefs? Sure. Hey, there you go. That's actually that. That's actually a good good point. Like he is doing something internationally in a different sport, but he could have probably played played in uh, Another, one of the U.S. Yeah. sports. Big Four. It's 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 a tough one to come up with because it's the reason right. why we don't know about these guys is because they're in the other they, they haven't played in in the Big Four over here, so it's hard to hard to know their names. Yeah, and I I, I can't think of a hot. European basketball name. Every now and then you would hear about, you know, somebody over there. Sabonis, who was a great Russian center who came and played for Portland. Uh, I, I can't think of an international basketball player right now that's not in the NBA yet. All the ones that I can think of are solo guys, like a track star or a boxer. Right. Yeah. Individual you know, sports. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, Greg, a lot of them are in soccer. Like right, right. now, I'm sure that Brett could come up with five or six different guys. Oh, sure. Like, oh, yeah. Here's, here's these guys should come play over here. That'd be great. Yep. But. Yeah, most of them either have. Most of them probably have or have plans to. Right, exactly. Quick NFL draft update. Joe Burrow does go number one, Chase Young at number two, and now the fun begins with the Lions yep. on yeah. the clock, number three. Three, yeah. minute, well, three minutes left on their their uh, their deal here. I, bet, think, I wonder if they're going to trade it or not. Well, we'll stick with the international theme for our next seven-on-seven seven topic. We go to Nigeria. A woman from Nigeria named Margaret Adenuga gave birth to twins on April 19th. I'm just now noticing twins is capitalized in this question, so you can tell Josh wrote it. Uh, <laughs> anyways, this is this lady's first pregnancy, which you know might not sound odd, except there's a catch. She is 67. Her husband is 77. They Whoa, tried what? four no. IFV treatments before getting pregnant as well. What no. is the oldest age you think you'd want to be a parent? 67-year-old <laughs> and she had twins? With a 77-year-old husband, yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> where, where was she from? Nigeria? Nigeria, yes. Not over 50. No way. Um, how about how about we phrase it this way, that you'd want to become a parent? Because being a parent, like, it extends forever. But, like, the I mean, like, I kind of feel like if, 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 you haven't, if you haven't had any luck at 40, you might want to just try a different course. You know, try, right. try something else. <laughs> get, a, get a dog or... Maybe go the adoption route or something. Yeah, sixty-seven is yeah. That, I'm that's sticking not, with you. I'm not over fifty. Think about that. So so sixty-seven when they're born. So when they graduate high school, you're eighty-five. You're, you're eighty-five years old. You're not seeing them graduate high school. <laughs> well, the dad, the dad's got it. What's the chances the dad even makes it to the kid? So the dad's out? seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. So the dad's going to be ninety-five when 95. they graduate high school. Imagine those two. 
throwing a graduation bash. How boring that would be. <laughs> also, the life expectancy in Nigeria is 54 years. So these yeah. people have already lived. Uh, they've lives. already they're already they're Not already lasted. blown by it. Borrowed That's time. Crazy. I mean, good for them, but also no way. Good luck. Ugh, crazy. All right, we have one final topic here, uh, and it's from kind of the NBA. Steven Jackson is a retired NBA player who spent time with eight different teams during his career, including the Warriors, Spurs, and Pacers. He was in the news recently because he told a story on Instagram from it was several years ago, but he... Uh, the story is, is that he left his then fiance at the altar from Jackson's version of the story. He wanted her to sign a prenup. She said she would do it, but then delayed it all the way up to the wedding day. She still wouldn't do it on the wedding day, so he did not go through with his vows. So this is probably a question more relevant to Austin right now, but what would make you guys leave at the altar? This is a really awkward question to answer right now because my wife's in the room. Oh, Okay. <laughs> good but we like we like making things a little bit awkward um i feel like if like like it, if it ever came up in conversation that like sports weren't allowed in the house like that's a that's an absolute deal breaker that's a deal breaker like, yeah. yeah that's yep. just sorry so she waits to tell you until I mean, she doesn't like day. sports as it is but like if she took them away from me we'd be we'd have Once a lot say of like I pam do. and roy we'd have a lot of leftover food to be to be eaten <laughs> no once you say I do, no sports. Yep. Out of yeah. here. See ya. I'm done. But would you even get to the altar at that point? Like, how could you hide this from someone? Cause my, you wouldn't my, think. My fiance is not big into sports. I mean, she's gone to games with me and will go to games with me, and she understands that the TV is going to be on to the game on nights I'm not working, or maybe that it even is work. So I don't even know if I could get to the altar at that point. Yeah. I mean, you would hope. Just be a, a, one of them bombshells that gets dropped on you. You just don't know. Right. You yeah. would hope you'd have those type of conversations way in advance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what are for, right? Deal yeah. breaker right. things. <laughs> yeah. All funny. right. Well done, boys. No sports on this weekend, but we've got you covered. I know everything about film. I've seen over 240 of them. Time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! All right, let's see what the guys have been watching the last couple of weeks. Ben, lead us off. Obviously, Last Dance for me uh, was awesome. Plan on watching it again on Sunday. This is just going to be a five-week thing, so I'm just going to stop saying it. Uh, I, I've been into the movies lately. Um, I've, I've, I've wanting to watch go re, go rewatch the Lord of the Rings uh, series, um, the, so they're they're available. Um, other than that, uh, really. Uh, Really loved Ozark. Finally put a bow on season three of that. I know that's been a hot, hot show on this uh, on this show to talk about here in this segment. So uh, I'm leaning more movies than I am shows now that I'm done with Ozark. Okay. Austin? I've been on a Brooklyn Nine-Nine kick recently. I haven't oh, actually ever it. watched it before. What do you so. think? You like it? Oh, I love it. Andy Samberg is fantastic. The chemistry of the cast is great. I like that that style of humor, too. So, so you you started it. from the beginning, right? You're I, just what? Yeah, started from the beginning, and in the last week and a half, I think I'm through season two, episode two so okay. far. Nice. I've watched it from the beginning, so I'm caught up with the current editions of it. I, I've been a big fan for years of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's a really well-done comedy. 100%. Yep. I, I actually uh, I haven't mentioned that one yet either. I'm, I watch that one weekly now, too, uh, on Hulu each episode as it comes out. But uh, Victoria and I binge-watched that, I think it was last summer. We Did got you? all caught up. So that, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a great show that you can uh, go through. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, just a, a quick caveat on that yeah. show is it got it was it originally came on Fox and they dumped yep. it. And yep. NBC, a lot of people complained about it getting dumped and NBC swooped in and renewed it and put it on NBC. You, you don't see that very often, a show hopping from one network to the other. Yeah. And I think it's it's still solid. Like, he, what is it in season seven or they just eight? picked up season right. eight? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, seven, seven right now. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh yeah, watched The Last Dance on, on Sunday. A uh, movie that we watched this last week um, was the Lion King live-action movie. That was one that we thought about going to watch in theaters last summer, didn't get around to it. Um, and we had a, the subscription to Disney Plus shared with us by some friends, so we watched that. I wasn't overly impressed with it. My review, it, I mean, it was okay. And to be fair, I wasn't the biggest fan of the 
original Lion King either. But um, so yeah, I watched that, and then coming up, uh, since we have that account, one of the movies that I want to watch that was on there that I haven't watched surprisingly is Rookie of the Year, the baseball movie that came out in '93. Mm-hmm. So you haven't watched so Rookie of the one, Year? I haven't either. I have not. Isn't Whoa. that shocking? It's okay. Fifty percent of us have not seen Rookie of the Year. I can't even be associated with you well, fools. It, it's mean, just it's okay, Josh. It's not a okay. It's, it's, it's not a you'll you'll enjoy it, but it's not. Don't right. let these guys get well, you down. Well, it's the, not like the that prime of the movies passed fifteen years ago. If he watches it fifteen years ago, his opinion's going to be way better of it than it is now. That's what that's what I was going to say. Is that I'm going to have to try to put myself in you know like when I was ten years old. And that's like watching, watching Shawshank Redemption when you're five and going, yeah, not that good. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. All right. Um, like you guys, I watched the la- the dance, last dance the other day. Loved it. Can't wait for Sunday night to get here. And then uh, Tater and I sunk in there. We got Disney Plus, too, and we watched Aladdin the Will, with the Will Smith mm, yeah. version. He's pretty good. He's pretty funny in that in that movie. So there's Will our Smith's flicks. Solid. Flicks picks of the week. Hey, at Union Bank and Trust, all your banking needs are taken care of by real people who really care. Stop by and you'll see that you belong here. Union Bank and Trust, member FDIC. All right, update us on the draft. What's been happening here? Well, Tua Tagovailoa just got selected by the Miami Dolphins. So it'll be interesting to see what Miami wants to do with their next pick if they're trying to trade back up for a tackle. But Tua is off the board. Andrew Thomas goes to the Giants with the fourth pick. That, to me, is a surprise. I'm not sure Thomas is a top ten guy. Our resident Giants fan, Robin Washett, not a fan of the Thomas pick by the Giants at four. There was no Saquon Barkley slam dunk pick for the Giants this year. They go tackle. Uh, There's a lot of tackles that are going to go in the first round or in this draft. Uh, They chose the one from Georgia. So we'll see how that plays out. I think the Tua pick's a good one for that offense. Chargers on the if clock. If he could stay healthy. Now. You like the new Chargers uniforms they unveiled? Uh, yeah, they're going to look really good getting torched by Patrick Mahomes in those uniforms uh, hmm. from here on out. I kind of hope Chargers draft punter here at six. <laughs> they won't. Hey, our Sports Only Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Good hour. Always fun to hear from Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Great 7-on-7 tonight by the boys. They put out some wonderful topics, and we hope we kept you updated on the NFL draft and maybe gave you something you can sink your teeth into with our Flicks Picks of the Week. Another hour of Sports Nightly on the other side.